I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. And welcome, everybody, to Rapid Fire. I just want to remind everyone today that a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Our phone number today is 508-444-2120. You can call us with any questions any time of the day or night. And this is Rapid Fire, your weekly two-way talk radio about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. I want to thank our sponsors that bring this content to you each and every week. Um, if you want to join in on the conversation, make sure you go over to rapidfireradio.us and you can sign up to be alerted whenever we go live. That way you can sound off in the comments, in the live stream, and I'll answer them. Uh, you can interact with me as the show goes on. We're on all the social media platforms that are out there that we know of. Um, there's a couple new ones, I guess, that we're exploring going on. But for the most part, we're on the lion's share of them. And our handle is at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio, uh, wherever your social media is to be found. Not to mention, you can podcast this show wherever you find your podcast, Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. And um, we'd love to have you join us. If you miss an episode and you want to get caught up and listen to the past episodes, go over to Rapid Fire Radio and you can find our archive or wherever you get your podcast. So anyway, we're glad you're here. It's another great day to be here and be a gun owner in Massachusetts or wherever you might call home. We are behind enemy lines in Massachusetts. Uh, sometimes I affectionately call it Maskanistan uh, because of its hostile um, antics, if you will. And by the way, we have a really good uh, contribution from Don and Stoughton, who is never uh, short on germane uh, content for the Second Amendment. And he forwarded an email to me, which I thought was very good. Um, and it's basically for Massachusetts and Rhode Island, if you cannot ban the import of milk into a state, then how can you ban the right to keep and bear arms and all it involves? And this is a great point because uh, back in 1994, the Westland Creamery sued Healy, uh, our attorney general, um, about this scheme to make it so that distributors and retailers bought milk primarily from Massachusetts growers or dairy producers. So the primary holding is the Commerce Clause does not allow a state to tax all distributions of a good while distributing its assets only to local producers. 
facts were in the case in order to protect local dairy producers, Massachusetts imposed a levy on all dairy products that were sold in Massachusetts. The state then redistributed the uh, proceeds of the levy only to the producers in the state. Westland Creamery, a milk dealer that purchased milk from producers outside of the state, argued that the assessment system violated the Commerce Clause. And uh, there was a majority opinion that sided with them. John Paul Stevens was the author, Sandra Day O'Connor, Anthony Kennedy, uh, David Souter, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, all concurred. Uh, well, I'm sorry, all were part of the majority opinion. And the, then Antonin Scalia and Clarence Thomas uh, concurred. And then there was uh, the dissent was written by uh, William Reinquist, Blackburn, uh, and Blackburn. So it was seven basically to two in favor of this lawsuit, um, basically saying that you can't create some tax on everybody else or ban the importation of this particular product called milk uh, into the state and levy a tax against it and then give the money back to the local grower so or local producer. So if they can't do that when it comes to milk, how can they do it for something that's enumerated in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment, meaning bearable firearms or bearable arms? And so I think they have some serious legal problems here, but obviously since 19, 1994, no one's really challenged it on these grounds. But I like the way he's thinking here is, hey, you can't do it for milk. So how can you do it for magazines? How can you do it for, um, you know, so-called large capacity firearms? How can you do it for um, so-called semi-automatic firearms that you then go ahead and ban from the importation and for sale in the state? Uh Milk isn't a constitutionally protected item. I guess it technically is, uh, but not enumerated in the Bill of Rights, like the Second Amendment is and like bearable arms are. And we have under the Heller decision that guns that are in common and ordinary use are protected. And the AR-15 is, I think there's actually a, a representative that introduced into the House to make the AR-15 the national gun of the United States of America. And I used to joke, actually, but it's very uh, appropriate in this discussion, that AR stands for America's Rifle. And I'm flattered that somebody took my idea and said, uh, hey, let's make it the national rifle of the United States of America. And I think it makes a lot of sense. It's by far the most popular rifle in the country. It's also the the rifle that everybody loves to hate. And people, um, you know, who hate the AR-15 are very uneducated as to what is available out there as far as firearms and what, um, you know, the effectiveness of that gun is compared to other guns that are free and able to be bought and hunted with, et cetera, et cetera. But that's all a different argument for a different day. The point is, it is by far the most popular rifle in America, and there's hundreds of thousands of these in common and ordinary use, if not, you know, probably well into the hundreds of millions, actually. Um, there's If there's 40 million braced pistols out there, then there's probably 100 million AR-15s. And 
you know, they love to say that this is the gun that, uh, you know, these mass killers prefer and school shooters or, you know, mass armed spree killers, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth of the matter is, if you look at how much violence is done with firearms, rifles make up such a small percentage of that that they don't actually have individual statistics as to what type of rifle was used. It's just a category, rifles. But pistols are by far a much larger, uh, quote-unquote, problem for criminal for crime um, than any rifle of any kind. So I like the proposal to make the AR-15 the uh, America's rifle. And I, you know, we all know a lot of people think that AR stands for assault rifle, but that's not true. It's actually Armalite rifle. Um, that was the uh, what that what AR stood for was Armalite and um, Eugene Stoner's original design. Uh, you know, the AR-15, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the point is, uh, or the AR-180, if you go back far enough, uh, the point is um, any gun that is in common and ordinary use cannot be restricted or be infringed. And, uh, you know, this Supreme Court case that was argued March 2nd, 1994, and it was decided June 17th, 1994, I think is very... Uh, key to this, Westland Creamery v. Healy, which says it cannot ban interstate commerce. So if they can't ban interstate commerce, how does the state get away with banning the importation of magazines and and semi-automatic rifles that are in common and ordinary use? We haven't even got to the Bruin decision, but that's up to Heller. Anyway, don't forget we're moving rapid fire to the podcast only show soon. I don't know when. Everyone loves the radio, so... We can always tune in at rapidfireradio.us. We'll be off the airwaves soon, so make sure you get signed up whenever we go live or wherever you find your podcast, you'll be able to go there and, and get it. But rapidfireradio.us and sign up for the email alert. We will be right back. I'm Toby Leary. This is Rapid Fire. The firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, the Second Amendment, and self-defense. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Join us each and every week at rapidfireradio.us or wherever you get your podcasting. This week's poll is up, and it's, what do you like to collect? Mill syrup, meaning like 
military surplus uh, rifles, revolvers, tactical firearms, or other. Maybe there's some other segment that you like, like cowboy guns or you know Winchester 94s or something like that. But go ahead and uh, go over to rapidfireradio.us and you can vote in the poll there or go to Twitter, Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. And we would love to have you vote there and we'll we'll talk about the results as they come in. Uh, but while you're there, like and subscribe and share and retweet and shout it from the rooftops that Rapid Fire Radio is here. And uh, we would appreciate it because there's all kinds of evil algorithms trying to defeat us in the uh, tech sphere or the tech sector of uh, this this country and unfortunately we're fighting against that so the liking and subscribing and commenting and sharing is what gets around that so i want to thank everyone for going over there and by the way this week's code for those of you keeping score at home and who are doing an amazing job taking full advantage of every discount we offer on our website at capegunworks.com this week's discount code is long gun so All one word, long gun, L-O-N-G-G-U-N, and uh, you'll get a very special discount off your entire order. So uh, before the break, we were talking about this uh, Supreme Court decision in 1994, and, uh, you know, I found it interesting that very few cases as it pertains to firearms are ever tried based on case law around other Supreme Court decisions. So we got to wait like every 10 years for a big Second Amendment case to make its way or worm its way through the court system and get all the way to the Supreme Court and actually get granted certiorari uh, like Bruin did, the New York State Rifle, Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin which has been a landmark case. It's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, it wasn't even so much for the actual decision of that case, which was, does the state have the right to, A, um, deny you your uh, a carry permit, which in most states that have carry permits, that might mean your ability to even buy firearms, like in Massachusetts, um, New York, I don't think you need a carry permit to buy a firearm, but you do to own them in certain counties and certain places, but um, certainly to carry. So they would actually deny based on good cause or good moral character requirement. So if they didn't like you or you didn't give to the sheriff's campaign or something like that, they could say, yeah, you're not getting a license to carry, but you can still own a long gun or something if you go pass a background check. Now, that was issue number one that they took up. They also took up, can they restrict where you're able to carry and how you're able to carry based on uh, this same rule? And so what I love about the decision there was it didn't just rule yes or no, this is unconstitutional. They looked at how all future Second Amendment cases will be looked at, and that's through the lens of, uh, text as advised by history and tradition. So they look at the text, which I read at the top of the hour, um, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Um, 
shall not be infringed, or and the right to, uh, of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So uh, this is very important because in that's all it says for the Second Amendment. So in that text, that text as it was advised by history and tradition of 1791 when it was ratified, was gun control a thing? Did it limit what they could and couldn't sell? Did it limit who they could and couldn't sell to? Did it limit how they sold? I mean, everything's on the table now. And I think uh, we've already seen some serious uh, repercussions as a result of this decision come down. And now all these states and cities that are uh, used to gun control being in their favor and they've had a a 20-year run of, you know, courts upholding their two-step process, uh, Clarence Thomas made it very clear that two-step process of looking at things through the lens of the fact that the state wants it is over. That era is over. He said that's one step too many. And I think it's beautifully written and it's wonderfully uh, crafted. And it certainly makes a lot of sense because otherwise you would have to apply the same standard to every other amendment and use uh, like the First Amendment, you know, where you say, oh, uh, people would not be able to use a word processor or a computer or a laptop because they weren't around at the time of the writing of the First Amendment. We'll all have to use quill pens. But I think it was very interesting, the the words, um, a well-regulated militia, that's obviously a non-military entity, a non-government body being necessary to the security of a free state. The founders recognized that good moral people are the, they're the, majority of a state that keeps us free, that keeps us um, safe, because freedom isn't necessarily safe. It's the people who are good and moral that can keep us safe if they are able to keep and bear arms. And they didn't say muskets. They didn't say cannons. They didn't say, uh, you know, whatever other arms, swords or cutlass or daggers or bayonets or uh, powder or shot. They said arms, knowing that technology is going to progress, knowing that, um, you know, people are going to improvise, people are going to use their ingenuity and come up with a more efficient tool for the job and that it was to keep on par with what will keep the security of a free state safe and free. What is that that would do that? It's the ability to keep and bear arms. But tell us what you think. You can call or text the rapid fire line. It's 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And by the way, we do a giveaway on the show every week, and we have a winner. Pat S., look for... An email from us. You won the bulletproof koozie from Premier Body Armor. Uh, you will be getting an email from us. And this week we're giving away a cool custom 15 inch handguard. 
Uh, this is a Cape Gunworks one. It's all it's an OD green, and it's M lock uh, handguard made by uh, Bowden Tactical, the Architect series AR architect see what we did there or see what they did there and uh we've made guns with this handgun handguard on it and it has our cape gunworks logo on the side so you guys can get entered to win the bowden tactical 15 inch uh ar-15 handguard um and it's it's a really nice od green cerakote so you want to go over to rapidfireradio.us sign up and we'll be giving that away. It comes with the barrel nut and everything you need to put it on your AR-15. So go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down a bit, and enter the contest, and we'll pull the winner on next next week's show. So I wanted to throw that out there for you guys, um, and you can go ahead and enter to win. So had a lot of good winners so far. Uh, I appreciate that. And we had another gun show last weekend. We were at the Wilmington uh, Sportsman Gun and Knife Show at the uh, Shriners Auditorium in Wilmington, Massachusetts. So this weekend, we're going to do it again. We're going to saddle up the truck and the Cape Gunworks Command Mobile Command Unit and head on out to East Springfield, Massachusetts. And I'm looking forward to this show. I personally will not be there, but Russ and Luciano and Mike S. will be there. So you want to go check them out. It's going to be a good time. You're in good hands with our guys, and we're going to have some really cool stuff to sell. So uh, last week, the big hit was the Barrett M107. It's like everybody um, walking around had to stop and take a picture. and So that'll be there again, the M107, and we'll have some other cool stuff. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to that, and we're having fun with it. I will say I think the modern... Gun show needs a little bit of a reset. Uh, they seem a little tired and a little low energy. And it's just been so many years since I've been to a gun show that uh, I guess I, I didn't really remember what they were like. And But we've done two, and this will be our third one uh, in a matter of months. And we're pretty happy to be there. It's fun. And you know what I found most surprising was all the other gun dealers coming up to us, thanking us for being there. They said, man, we need some new life at these things. I've been doing these for 30 years. And so, uh, you know, I, I would love to see them taken to the next level. It would be a lot of fun to really get it going again. And here's here's the thing to consider. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday who said, what do they charge to get into a gun show? I said, 15 bucks. They're like, what? 15 bucks? Forget it. I There's not enough cheap ammo around to... To justify spending 15 bucks. I go, look, everybody who shows there, it's whether it's the t-shirt guy, the coffee guy, the jerky guy, the uh, gun parts guy, the mill serp guy, or the gun store ammo, or all the people that attend, they're all pro-Second Amendment guys and girls showing up to support a cause. So think of it that way as much as just trying to buy a cheap box of ammo. So Anyway, um, that's my suggestion. So go support it, and uh, I think it's worth it. Let's let's pump some new life into them and support the local gun shows before they go away, because if they're not profitable, they will go away. If you're hearing this and you don't have your license to carry, 
We have regularly scheduled LTC and FID classes, including ladies-only classes and couples classes. Go sign up at capegunworks.com, and we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation. And we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Uh, we appreciate you being here and listening. Uh, I, last week, I saw so many people at the gun show that said, Hey, I hear you all the time on the radio or on the Grace Curley show and all that. And I said, Yeah, well, thank you very much for listening because if it wasn't for people like you, I'm just talking to myself. And that gets a little weird. So uh, I appreciate you guys. Um, anyway, uh, go over to rapidfireradio.us and scroll down and vote in our poll, this week's poll. Or go to twitter.com and type in Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. This week's poll is, what do you like to collect? Mill serps, revolvers, tactical firearms, or other? And so far, it's trending at 100% tactical firearms. And sound off in the comments of what specifically you like to collect, whether it's pistols or rifles or you know sniper rifles or semi-automatic modern sporting rifles etc etc so um we'd love to hear from you so go ahead Phase plasma rifle in the 40 watt range hey just what you see pal <laughs> yeah that's that's the one i haven't been able to get yet the phased plasma rifle in the 40 watt range um but anyway so Check us out on Twitter, and while you're there, like, subscribe, share, and retweet it so everyone gets the ability to vote in our poll. We'd love to have you. Um, Something I talked about a little bit on the Grace Curley show yesterday was this propensity of anti-gunners to kind of label gun owner or lay the problem of mass shootings or uh, the latest spree killing at the feet of good people who um, don't commit mass shootings and they're just gun owners, they're good people. And uh, I found an interesting article today along these lines and it says uh, here on, um, this was from Breitbart on Second Amendment News on Breitbart and it says the D.C. police chief came out and said that the average homicide suspect has been arrested 11 times prior to killing. So Washington, D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti said Monday that the average homicide suspect is arrested 11 times prior to being arrested for carrying out a murder. 
Uh, Conti described the problem with the repeat criminal offenders and stressed what he had called the need for long sentences for those guilty of homicide, ABC News reported. Fox News' Lucas Tomlinson tweeted video of Conti saying the average homicide suspect has been arrested 11 times prior to them committing a homicide. That is a problem. Conti went on to say, what do we got to do if we really want to see homicides go down and keep bad guys with guns in jail? Because... When they are in jail, they can't be in the community shooting people. He added, so when people talk about what are we going to do different or what do we do different or what do we need to do different, that's the thing that we need to do different. We need to keep violent people in jail. Amen to that, brother. Uh, That is exactly what needs to happen. And I've said this many, many times um, on my show and on the Howie Carr show and on Grace Curley show, et cetera, et cetera, and in other articles. And whenever I'm interviewed by uh, news agencies or whatever, I say, that's the problem. They always want to lay the blame and the, and the, um, the fault at the feet of the people totally non-responsible, unresponsible for this. Um, it's like uh, saying, you know, we need to curb drunk driving. We really need to get drunks off the road and get drunk drivers off the road and we need to stop drunk driving. So therefore, whenever you go to renew your driver's license now, you're going to have a 10-day waiting period. You're going to have to take a a class. You're going to have to pay a higher fee. You're going to pay a bigger tax on the automobile that you go to buy. You're going to have to pass a background check for every car that you buy and when you get the car home, you're going to have to store it safely in your garage and make sure that the key is locked away so that unauthorized people can't access it. That's how they treat firearms, but they never do that to the car when uh, to solve the problem of drunk driving, right? Why? Because that's illogical. So why do you think further restrictions on the people not responsible for heinous, violent acts of crime is going to do anything to reduce crime? I agree 100% with D.C. Police Chief um, Conti here when he says, the thing you can do different that will make a difference is lock up bad people for long periods of time. Period. And that's that's what it's going to take. That's exactly what it's going to take. So until we get the resolve in our hearts to do that, but b- meanwhile, uh, not to get completely political down the rabbit hole here, but... Uh, the the QAnon shaman from D.C. Gulag, you know, from uh, January 6th, who's agreed to, he pled out and he's doing a four-year sentence. How many violent career criminals do four-year sentences nowadays or even get sentenced to four years? Like you have to be like a axe murderer these days to get anything that long. And, but this guy you know, was escorted throughout the Capitol and prayed for the Capitol Police. And meanwhile, he's going to do four years, uh, do a four-year bid. Um, Not to make any whitewash, I'm not trying to whitewash any of the people who actually did commit heinous acts on that day. However, punish him for that. You know, charge him, sentence him. And punish him for that. I got no issue with that. But the guy going around taking selfies and saying prayers and being escorted by police, uh, four years? Are you serious? 
All right, I digress. Let's get back to the gun argument. You got a website out there um, that catalogs all of the uh, people who are out on bail and out on bond in Chicago that commit violent acts while out on bail and bond. So they're already been charged for a violent act and they're out on personal recognizance, bail or bond in Chicago. And while awaiting trial, they go out and commit another heinous act, felonious act of violence in a lot of cases, murder and, uh, you know, uh, assault or attempted robberies or robbery, armed robberies, uh, carjackings, everything else. And these are people who are already awaiting trial for another felony, and they're out on the streets. But yet, we have people who haven't done anywhere near that, and they're you know not even charged being held uh, without bail. It's unbelievable. So the point is, nobody really wants to fix the problem of violence in their communities. They really want the narrative to continue so that they can point to the evil people who want to own guns, even though gun owners are good people and less likely to commit a crime than non-gun owners. In fact, less likely to commit a crime than even law enforcement agents. There's been studies done that show that. They are a more law-abiding sector of or element of society than even law enforcement officials. But yet, all the blame always ends up at the feet of law-abiding, responsible gun owners. Not to mention their uh, desire to sue the gun industry whenever a criminal uses a gun for criminal intent. That's like Ford Motor Company getting sued every time a drunk leaves a bar and, you know, kills or injures somebody. Doesn't make any sense. What's What's the car manufacturer have to do with the actions of a drunk guy? It's just like firearms. You know, fire. what does the firearms industry have to do with the actions of an evil person? Nothing. They don't have anything to do with it. In fact, I would say just the opposite is true. When two and a half million people use firearms for defensive purposes a year, I think the evidence is overwhelming to for the argument for uh, gun ownership in private hands than the few thousand a year evil instances where people use them for nefarious or criminal activity. So guns are doing a lot of good out there and keep it leveling the playing field and making criminals think twice about maybe who they're going to assault. And if they do choose to assault somebody who is armed, they instantly regret it usually. Um, so Anyway, let me know what you think, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. You can call, leave a message, or text, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Let's see, the poll results right now are trending 20%, say they collect revolvers, and 80% are saying they collect tactical firearms. And in that tactical firearms category, you can sound off in the comments as to what you mean by that. Is that long-range precision rifles? Is it modern sporting rifles? Is it defensive handguns? So anyway, um, there you go. Um, Go ahead and let your voice be heard on twitter.com 
rapid fire radio, all one word. We want to hear from you on this. And uh, anyway, we're going to be getting to your comments as well. Um, we want to hear from you as far as uh, on the chat. So we're going to be answering questions uh, in the next segment. So um, yeah, go ahead and queue them up in the chat. That's already firing on all cylinders. So I appreciate everybody who's commenting and uh, it really helps out the channel. So, by the way, we're about to hit 10,000 users on Facebook. So if you don't follow us on Facebook yet, please like and subscribe to Facebook and maybe we'll hit that 10,000 followers mark pretty soon. We're getting very close. Uh, and last time we approached 10,000, Meta squashed us and deplatformed the whole channel. So, um, yeah, we got to got to band together. So I, I appreciate everybody. By the way, if you travel or you want to get a license to carry in multiple states, check out our Utah 36 light, uh, state concealed carry class. You get everything you need to apply for the Utah license at the end of the class. Go to capecomworks.com and click on the class link to book the class today. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And it is time for Rapid Fire Gun of the Week. Gun of the Week this week is the Taxol X22. This is a 22 lr uh, in like a Ruger 1022 pattern, if you will. It's kind of the same design overall design and you know the patent ran out many years ago on the ruger 1022 so there's a bunch of companies that are making 1022 actions uh, i know thompson center arms did for a little while we sold a ton of those tcr 22s and then smith and wesson dropped them which i was disappointed about uh, magnum research also makes a really nice 22 that's designed after the ruger 1022 action and these companies like Taxol and Magnum Research have done a phenomenal job of re-engineering a tried-and-true platform and improving upon it. One of the biggest improvements, in my opinion, is the mag release. So I don't know if anyone's familiar with the 1022 mag release, and it's been around for well over 50 years, and I don't know why it's still messed up, if you ask me. So there's this little blade lever on the side of the trigger guard or above the trigger guard, on the side of the trigger housing and um, next to the mag release that 
you got to push in with the bolt held back. Then you let go and let the bolt pressure off the bolt and it'll stay back. So then people get the bolt and they pull back on the bolt to let it go forward and it kind of sticks in the rear position. Uh, so what you're going to do is reverse the operation to stick the bolt back on a Ruger. You pull back, push that button and let it go and then let the action go and it'll go forward. It's way too many steps. It's kind of like, you know, gun control law before the Bruin decision. One step too many. So anyway, uh, this one, they fixed it. The Magnum Research one, they fixed it. So the bolt's pinned back. You just pull back on the bolt and let it go and it goes forward. So that's great. They also did this awesome billet aluminum uh, extended mag release, which was very necessary. But these Taxol rifles are so lightweight and they have these beautiful fluted barrels. They have a threaded muzzle. And this particular one is the takedown model. So it's it's got the Magpul Hunter stock on it. It takes down into splits in half, if you will. It folds right up into its own stock. And it's a great little backpack gun. It's a great little camping gun, gun to have, you know, at your disposal. But the best thing about these guns is how incredibly accurate they are. They are made on another level of perf- uh, perfection, if you will, or precision. And I was talking to one of the guys at a, at one of the gun shows up in down in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, the guy from Maine Military Supply has a whole bunch of buddies, and they all have these Taxol rifles, and they shoot them out to 400 yards at, for fun, you know, and friendly competition amongst friends. And uh, Mike said that his friend set the record with five consecutive shots on a four-inch piece of steel at 400 yards with one of these Taxol rifles. That's unbelievable with any rifle, never mind with a 22. So that thing must be coming down at a steep angle to hit that plate. But uh, these guns are so lightweight. They're a pleasure to shoot. They're so much fun. It comes with uh, backup iron sights, you know, these nice fiber optic sights. And it's one of the other great features of this gun is that the Picatinny rail is milled into the top of the billet aluminum receiver. So that's really cool because you don't just have to add a piece of pick rail. It's milled right in. So one less attachment point, one less thing that can loosen up. Uh, it's also got the switch bolt action. So you can take this uh, this charging handle or this charging bolt, if you will, and it can go on the left or the right side of the gun. So really neat. It's got their own precision trigger, nice barrel. We also sell a bunch of Taxol parts here at the shop. The Magpul Hunter stock also has storage in it for three extra magazines which is really neat um, we got these with these magpole stocks or the hogue over mold stocks and the takedown or the non-takedown model so come check them out you can always go over to rapidfireradio.us and scroll down till you see gun of the week click on the banner and use code gow at checkout if you want to score one of these bad larry's because these guns are awesome and uh or just come check them out at, at the shop we'd love to show you uh, Taxol rifles have been very popular since we got them, and they're pretty awesome. So check them out at the website. Uh, use code GOW at checkout. So thanks for tuning in. We will be right back with more from Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Weir. Ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, 
Made in America and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation. And we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, Guns, Freedom, Second Amendment, and Self-Defense. Don't forget to take our poll. It's over at twitter.com, Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. Or go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down until you see poll. This week's poll is, what is your, what do you likely or what do you like to collect? Uh, we have Milserp rifles, we have revolvers, which is trending at 33%. We have tactical firearms trending at 66% and other at 0%. So um, go ahead and let your voice be heard. And uh, this week's code is long gun. So if you want to take advantage of our discount for our radio and podcast listeners, go to capegunworks.com and type in long gun at checkout and you will get a very special discount off your entire order. And... Last but not least, Pat won the koozie. That's right, the tactical bulletproof koozie from uh, Premier Body Armor. Uh, So he'll be getting an email from us. And if you want to participate in this week's um, giveaway, we have this awesome 15-inch rail with the Cape Gunworks logo engraved right into the side of it. It's an awesome, lightweight M-Lock handguard in OD green. Um... 15-inch, it'd be a great handguard to make your next cool gun from. So there you have that. Uh, We're going to jump over to the chat. I haven't been neglecting you guys on purpose, but a lot of you have been buzzing about the new Smith & Wesson FPC, and then that lends itself to, is it or is it not mass compliant? Hmm. Well... If you want my take on it, I say yes with some modifications. So if you go to a shop that is a uh, Type 7 FFL, they are able to make modifications to this gun to make it legal for sale in Massachusetts. Um, But one thing that's really cool about it is if you already own an M&P pistol, the grip is very similar to the M&P pistol. It has the same trigger, same grip, takes the same mags. And uh, what makes it right out of the box not mass compliant is the fact that it comes with 217 and I think 221 or 23 round magazines. So those obviously are no-go zone because um, the mass assault weapons ban, which limits our magazine capacity to 10 rounds unless it was made prior to the ban. Um, So as long as you have 10 round mags with it, then it should be good. The only other little obstacle I see is the threaded muzzle. So because it has a pistol grip and a detachable mag, that's your two evil features. But if you pin and weld a muzzle brake on there or pin and weld the flat uh, the thread protector on there, you'll be good to go. So maybe they'll actually come out with a non-threaded version so that extra step doesn't have to be taken. But either way, we're happy to pin and weld a muzzle brake on there. So easy enough to do. And uh, I guess the stock, um, I think the stock is adjustable as well. So that would be one other thing that needs to get pinned. But other than that, um, it's not out of the ordinary of what we have to do for multiple platforms already, like the FN SCARs or the 
SIG MCX or the, you know, Galil Ace, um, IWI Ace rifles. Um, all that stuff has to happen anyway. But um, anyway, easy enough to do. So we plan on selling these. We have them on order. And hopefully we will see um, see them hit the shelves pretty soon. But they will need a little bit of gunsmithing work, which is okay. Um, so that's easy enough. Um, so there you have that. But let's jump back over to the chat. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cape Cod says, I'm curious about the FPC compared to the sub 2K, which I own. The biggest difference, I think, um, is the fact that the FPC is a folding pistol caliber carbine or folding pistol carbine. Um, it folds to the side instead of over the top. So you don't have to dismount your optics to fold it up, which is huge. There's all these extra little doodahs you can order for the sub 2K that makes it so you can mount a sight and it flips to the side when you fold it so you don't have to um, take it off, but it's one extra step. So you have um, you have the, you know, this one that folds to the side which will make it a lot easier. But I would say it's an improvement over the um, sub-2K in respect to, uh, you know, I think it's probably a better built gun. Uh, But then again, I haven't shot it yet. I have held it and messed around with it. I got to see it. um, I got to see it at the... Smith and Wesson headquarters in June or July when I was there. Actually, it was July, and um, I was part of the their retail advisory council at the time, and and so I got to get the little early access to that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, it's a good gun. I think it will be um, here to stay for a while. We also showcased that Trailblazer Firearms pivot rifle at the last gun show. So there's a couple different options now. you got the Sub-2K, you got the FPC, but the Trailblazer Firearms pivot rifle is interesting um, because like the Smith & Wesson one, you don't have to take your optics off to fold it, if you will. And, and it literally just swil- swivels on a pivot kind of in the middle of the gun. That one takes Glock mags and, you know, makes it, that's the most popular magazine option. The M&P is, is good, but you're stuck with the M&P mags, which is fine because that gun's been around for so long. Uh, there should be plenty of M&P mags in circulation. And if you don't have an M&P pistol, you can certainly find those mags easy enough. They're still made. It's a very popular um, firearm. So, you know, you have that, and and it's pretty cool. So a um, bunch of other pistol-caliber carbines on the market. One of the other ones that was a hot showstopper on Saturday was our Henry um, Homesteader. The Henry Homesteader, uh, I finally got one in, and I am really impressed with this gun. And I think it's so cool because it it takes the scariness away and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's kind of true. Like, 
if you show someone an AR-15 that's a pistol caliber carbine, they don't know that it's not a, you know, AR-15 or a dreaded assault weapon or whatever. If they're if they're totally ignorant of firearms, even if it's a pistol caliber platform, and you got to sit there and explain it. But you bust out the Henry Homesteader. It's got a walnut stock. It's got um, Henry looking you know, gun. It's a Henry looking gun. It's a very traditional looking firearm with a walnut stock and walnut forend. And so uh, it's nine millimeter semi-automatic. So it's same thing as the FPC or the sub 2K or, you know, whatever these uh, other pistol caliber platforms are, but it's done to Henry's standards. And I think they knocked it out of the park. Uh, The one we have is like a $850 retail and it comes with three, uh, two Henry mags, a five round and a 10 round. But the coolest thing about it is you can order from Henry's uh, accessories site these extra mag wells. They make one for the Smith & Wesson M&P. They make one for the Glock. And they make one for SIG, like the SIG 320. So you can add whatever magazine to the lineup you want. Uh, but still have that same gun. And I think that's a very cool option. Uh, It also comes with a threaded muzzle. So if you want to put a compensator or a uh, muzzle brake on there in this state, you could. And if you live in a free state, you can just screw on a direct mount uh, suppressor, sound suppressor. So uh, easy enough to do. Uh, And then you have a suppressed pistol caliber carbine that looks like a lot of fun. And it is, I'm sure. So those are some great options that have come out, and I think they knocked it out of the park um, coming out of SHOT Show with that. So that's been all the rage lately, a bunch of those. And uh, so let me know what you think. Uh, You can give us a call, shoot a text, 508-444-2120, and uh, be happy to uh, take your call on any of that. But So the FPC is definitely going to be mass compliant when it, it's our shop, so uh, we have them on order, and I can't wait to get them. Uh, so we will be at the gun show, and Mike says, wherever he's from, he says, gun shows here should be called the window and jerky show. <laughs> um, but again, I, I think all those people are pro-Second Amendment. If they're, you know, I used to go to the gun show stuff here, and the Amsoil guy was always there, and he was pro-gun. He wasn't a gun owner himself, but he loved gun shows because he loves gun people and he knows they're good people. So they were a good audience for him to sell to. So I think that's worth supporting just the fact that you're getting a bunch of like-minded people in there. And also you might get some people who, uh, we had some, we had the butt guy come over from in the last gun show. Um, he came right over to the Barrett M107 and he goes, I like guns. I own guns. I have the shotgun i have a shotgun but he's a big butt guy and uh i don't think this is the type of gun that nobody should have nobody needs to have a barrett m107 nobody needs to have an ar-15 those guns nobody should have but but i'm a i'm a gun guy and i have shotguns (laughs) so my guys were like uh well, there's the world's biggest FUD sitting over there on that stool. And I said, what? What did he say? He, said, he came right over to the Barrett M107 and said, nobody needs to have one of these. Stick to your double barrel shotguns. 
buy a shotgun, man. And fire two blasts. That's the way it's done in Fudville. But anyway, um, that's the end of this first segment. We have another hour. And we have Amanda Suffolk coming on in the second hour. She is a talk radio host in her own right. She has a show called Eye on the Target Radio. And so she's kind of a big deal. So I'm kind of glad and looking forward to having her. So uh, stay tuned for another hour with Amanda Suffolk. And uh, if you want to call or text, it's 508-444-2120. And you can always go over to rapidfireradio.us, get signed up, ask questions, check out some of our online content. Freedom will always be on the right side of history. So stay tuned. we got Amanda Suffolk next from Eye on the Target. And we will be right back. I'm Toby Leary. This is Rapid Fire. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Once you're involved in something like this, the stress level... It can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Coert was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything you work for taken away. Coart was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford where he'd worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Alexander Hamilton said those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks, Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. Constitutional carry has become all the rage these days. Apparently, the mainstream media has gotten all over this term, and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. 
it does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember, you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, none of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. You will be held accountable for your actions, as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training and you know your laws so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, which is 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. Like us and subscribe on all of the usual suspect social media platforms out there. We're at Rapid Fire Radio or at Cape Gunworks on everywhere you find your social media. So we'd appreciate a like, subscribe, share, and comment on that. And I am really happy to have with us right now on the second hour, uh, Amanda Suffolkul from Eye on the Target Radio. She is a uh, talk radio host as well and does a lot of good stuff for the Second Amendment. So Amanda, thanks for coming on with us today. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. Yeah, my pleasure. It's always good to have some wonderful Second Amendment advocates out there join the show. And uh, I tell you what, we usually let this thing go where it's going to go. And But I always start off with, why don't you tell our listeners who you are and what it is you do and what you're... You know what you spend your time, effort, and energy doing as far as the Second Amendment is concerned. So go ahead; the floor is yours. Just tell us a little bit about who you are, Amanda. Okay. Well, I'm one of those that I I don't know whether my title is accidental activist or and then it's going to be one of those two because I I I not only am the only female host of a nationally syndicated Second Amendment radio show in the nation. I also do concealed carry fashion shows all over the country. I'm involved with the DC project. I'm involved with, with politics in, um, in my county within the state of Ohio. And so it, it kind of fills up, fills up your day, if you will, because there's so many things where this thing threads to that thing, threads to the other thing. And, um, and you get that, and then let's talk about this, and then let's talk about that. So that's sort of where I'm at. <laughs> awesome. Well, that sounds exciting. And are, do you have anything to do with the uh, Concealed Carry Fashion Show that we run out here, the goal one, the Gun Owners Action League one that is out here in Massachusetts? Well, uh, several years ago, I came out um, when when you had um, uh, Mandy Devineau. In that was active before she moved away. So I had, I'd been there for that. I have written the book on how to produce a concealed carry fashion show. 
so I have been um, in communication with Renee and Carrie Ann, who mm. are both doing such amazing things. I love it. I absolutely love it to see and hear these fashion shows happening all over the country. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I was reading on your website, um, you know, over at IonTheTargetRadio.com, in the About page there, and it said uh, that you are a recovering gun store owner. What does that mean? <laughs> well, there there are people who own gun stores, and then there are people who are used to own gun stores or moved on. So we, we, my brother and I, we do a lot of things together. So he's the bearded dude that you'll see on most of our promo pictures. And um, we started, we had this brilliant idea that we were going to do a, like a multi-level consignment gun shop, if you, if you will, where where two or three different people had their inventory, you know, kind of like they do with uh, um, antique stock sure. malls where where there is a singular person, but different people have. So we had this idea. We had four different pe- groups of people that were going to go in with us. We were doing it at a local range. And so we started to do that in 2003, somewhere right in there. And um, one by one, they all walked away before we ever got the doors open. Wow. So so we're sitting there going, okay, well, financially, we don't have the money to open a gun shop. <laughs> so, so we started our gun shop, literally started our gun shop with, what do we have at our house that we can live without? <laughs> and and $3,000 worth of inventory and, and our personal guns. Nice. And so we ran, we ran the gun store until our landlord died and we got a new landlord and we didn't like him. Mm. So... So we then closed in 2016. So we ran it for, for a good 12, 13 years that we had, had the gun shop. And, um, and then other things then started to take over, such as the radio and, and getting more. We, we had been doing the radio in a question and answer in our local community, frankly, Cleveland, Ohio. In the heart of rock and roll, that we took a question and answer gun show to number one in its time slot. Wow! And yeah, so that was that was pretty cool. So Salem Radio, we got their attention with that, and so 2018, then they picked us up for national syndication. Nice, that's great. Yeah, we, you know, our show, we're on a couple of radio stations here, and uh, I have so many people say, "Oh, I hear you on the radio," but yet radio is so expensive. I'm like. I, there's mm-hmm. going to be a better way. So uh, we've kind of thought about, you know, hitting the reset button on the radio side of things and making it more of a podcast and whatnot and using our advertisers' dollars, if you will, uh, in a much more um, responsible the, way or, or, you know, but then again, I can't argue yeah. with the reach of radio. Uh, I'm, and I'm going to tell you that it changes your audience. So what happens with terrestrial radio? is that it reaches the audience that gets in the car that is tuned to that local station that is interested in local things. And you go to podcasts and all of a sudden now you're speaking, you're literally speaking to the choir who already knows that they're looking for you, who already knows. So you start to talk in an echo chamber to yourself Mm. and to those who think exactly like you, as opposed to with the radio, the opportunity to bring in new people and the opportunity to kind of reach out to people who are aspiring to be gun owners, that, that we start to normalize gun ownership to the public. 
Mm. Um, so it's, it's a really a different audience and a different reach. We really realized that we were doing an event called the Preppers Ball. And so we would have a, a, a giant educational event working with a not-for-profit that we raffled off a variety of firearms and, and homesteading stuff. So, I mean, we raffled chainsaws and wood stoves and, you know, just a wide variety of, of things. And, um, and our attendance to this crazy thing was like 500 people. As soon as we went national, not local, that audience dropped away to where it wasn't feasible to do it. Um, so it really tells you what the audience is doing. They're staying on that station. They're not going to follow you. Yeah. And, you know, so that's something we're really wrestling with right now. I'm on two stations still, and I think the two that we're on, we might choose to stay on just because it's one is our core home base and the other one is uh, out in western Massachusetts, but they're the one that produces the podcast and everything else, and it's probably the cheapest radio station we've ever been on. So it, it in uh, as far as mm-hmm. the cost to produce and et cetera, et cetera. So I think we'll probably stay on that one for sure and maybe even the local one. But anyway, uh, at one point we were on five and three different states, and it you know it, it just gets to be so expensive. I'm like, where's the return on investment here? And uh, even right. with all the sponsors, you couldn't cover the cost. So it's not mm-hmm. – yeah, it's not worth it for our – um, advertisers to just, you know, have the lifeblood sucked out of it and, and not, you know, whatever. But in the I, end, I'm with you. I have told people that I have have a day job to support my small business habit, mm. right? Because it's just, it becomes that kind of a thing. And it's like, you just can't, it's not sustainable. Mm. Yeah. It's, I think also, um, at some point it's probably the carrier next carrier pigeon of modern media, um, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going away anytime soon, but uh, as more and more people, you know, start to get their content from internet based sources or, uh, you know, even like the local radio stations I'm on, they all have a streaming service that reaches the world. You know what I mean? Instead of just whoever's right. reached by their 50,000 watt station. Um, but anyway, it's uh, just something to think about, you know, us going forward as we and I'm glad to get your input on that because you raised some great points about who you reach and who you don't. Um, so that's something to consider. And if we're really trying to move the needle in the direction of getting more people interested in the Second Amendment, then maybe radio is an important medium to sustain. So, um, But anyway, mm-hmm. you've, you've been doing the radio for a while and you also do a podcast as well and a, a YouTube channel, et cetera, et cetera, right? Right. Yeah. So we do, um, not only do we do radio and it was really crazy because we got picked up on the West Coast first. Mm. Who would have thought that Washington and Oregon would be the, the, the leader of oh. listening to, uh, you know, guns about in free America. But, but right. that's kind of where we started. And, um, and then we podcast it and then, um, we got picked up for on demand TV as if people want to sit and watch, um, you sitting at a desk talking about about guns right yeah. but it's very it seems very howard sternish to me but it really has i mean we've got frequent listeners the same folks they communicate back they're very engaged so so it is hitting a button on people that they really like it so it's like okay well who am i to say i think it's weird so yeah. we'll just keep doing it yeah that's pretty cool i have 
I've never even really heard of that. So it's on demand TV. So like basically you, what do you find a subject matter that you well, like and you can choose to yeah, subscribe? You to look at, well, think about it. It's Roku, Apple TV, Fire Stick. There, there are channels on there that you're sitting there going, Oh, I didn't see this channel or I didn't know that channel existed. Oh, I and see. so it's in those channels that are on those smart TVs that are driving a lot more traffic. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And you guys do a two-hour show as well, right? A, uh, yeah, so two hours every Sunday night from 5 to 7 p.m. Cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to start tuning in because, honestly, I, uh, I have listened to some of your – some of the online content that is – done, you know, via mm-hmm. YouTube chats with other people, on, you know, kind of roundtable discussions, et cetera, and, you know, seen some of your content on there and thought it was great. And of course, Charlie Cook is the one that introduced me to you and said, you need to get her on your show. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I accept, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, exactly. You, so Charlie's a big, uh, Charlie's a big fan. Charlie's a big supporter. And um, the, the crazy part is, is that Charlie and I prop each other up. And so when, when we're doing something, whatever it is, it's like, is that enough? Or what did you thought? Are you thinking of this? Right. And so we're each other's fan club. Mm. Yeah, no, he's a great guy yeah. and he does a lot of stuff for us. He does our Utah 36 state concealed carry class and he's mm-hmm. come, da- he's come down and supported other events here at, at the shop and, um, you know, does a great job. I've been on his riding shotgun with Charlie podcast, which was awesome and a lot of fun and I knew I made it as a gun guy when I was able to go in the stagecoach with Charlie Cook so <laughs> there's that I have made him be the um, co-MC at, at Concealed Carry Fashion Show too nice so, <laughs> so yeah he's a he's a sport for whatever it is you're roping into yeah so tell me about um, the DC project are you still involved in that yeah, I'm the regional director for a series of, I think, 13 states from uh, from Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, that swath clear down, including Missouri, into Florida. So kind of kind of like this band that runs north to south in in the United States. So we split the we split the United States up into four segments, starting with uh, you guys in the in the extreme east, upper east, northeast. And then, and then my section was the next, frankly, the next 13 states before they started headed west. And then the west, they divided um, north and south in the west. Hmm. So why don't you just like, uh, for our listeners' sake, uh, give everybody an update on what what the DC project does, what it's involved in, what what is its kind of core cause and and uh, I think it's awesome, and it's a phenomenal uh, group. And But go ahead and uh, tell everyone about that as well. Well, the DC Project is, is, a, is a group, dcproject.info is the website, so you can go to it and, and check it out. But in effect, it is very educated, professional, um, Second Amendment-supporting women. So this group of girls is... Um, We'll just say that it puts the capital A in type A mm. <laughs> because the the gals are, I mean, one of our gals is a lawyer at the Supreme Court level. Wow. So that, 
right? Another, another, I mean, we've got probably three or four that are, that are book authors. We've got a veterinarian. We've got a doctor. We've got a couple Olympians. We've got radio hosts, TV hosts, professional shooters, police officers. And so everybody's got their backstory of what they do and why they do it. And then why they support the Second Amendment and then why they spend extra time working with the DC Project to bring other gals up and, and do things. And so, so you'll start to see, we call it Teal for 2A, and they have these shirts that have a whole line of AR-15s on them, and it says educate, not legislate. Mm. And it's really about firearms education and, and not, we don't need more gun laws. We need to be educated on the gun laws, and frankly, we need less gun laws in, in a lot of cases. Right. So our gals, you'll see them testifying, and, um, and they testify on the federal level, they testify on the state level. As a matter of fact, I was testifying in Ohio yesterday for the Second Amendment Preservation Act, which was talking about ATF overreach in my state and how they can shut that down or, or how the state can stop supporting it. So if the ATF really wants to come to the state of Ohio and do a raid on somebody, they have to bring their own people. They can't just come into town and, and pick ours and, and force the sheriff to work with them. Mm. Wow, so that was, it was, it was interesting because you generally got um, to testify two, three minutes and you have to submit, in Ohio, you have to submit the testimony in advance. So I did my two to three minutes and then the Democrat, um, con the Democrat congressman or state reps, I guess in this case, were asking questions and they, it, they, it was, it was 14 minutes of they were not overly enamored with, uh, with my stance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because we work with, I live in a, you know, a purple or a blue state, whichever way you want to look at it. And, um, I think one of the best accomplishments we've seen in the past couple of years of what has um, occurred in the 2A community is a reaching across the aisle and seeing uh, Democrats who, like you point out, are oftentimes the party of anti-gun politics. Mm -hmm. um, but the voter block, when they see, um, mm -hmm. you know, people, hardened criminals being released from prison and defunding police departments and cities being right. lo looted and burned, all of a sudden are left standing there going, well, wait a minute, what am I supposed to do to protect myself? And it's the logical choice right. is get armed, get trained, and learn how to use a gun in a safe and efficient manner. And you as a woman are advocating that as well. I know you do a lot of training. Um, and I think it's probably the fastest growing segment of society as far as gun ownership is concerned is uh, women and probably more specifically minority women um, in our area that has really taken to the Second Amendment. And a lot of times they were, uh, you know, uh, Democrat voters or uh, voters that would elect officials that were tr typically hostile to their right to keep and bear arms. And so I think there's been a, a little bit of incremental momentum going our way as far as uh, – the gun issue or the second amendment issue is concerned and uh, hopefully they'll take a second look at their candidates and, you know, maybe guns were 10 or 11th on the list of importance to them might move up mm -hmm. to top five 
you know, as far as their voting is concerned. So I don't know if you've because seen... one would hope that no matter whether they're a Democrat or a Republican, one would hope that they would say, look, my life is worth saving. Right. And if nothing else, ask about the Second Amendment not become a partisan issue. Mm. It really, it, the First Amendment is not a partisan issue. The Second Amendment should not be also. Um, and then, because I think there's other things that we have in differences and and things that are we're together on and things we're different on. But but some of these issues should not be. I mean, criminal reform should not be a partisan issue, mm. right? Uh, right? Murderers right. should not be a partisan issue, but they've made them that way, right? And and it doesn't. It really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And to and to my sisters that are that are all out testifying and fighting for the right to be able to protect themselves, and um, you know it becomes a thing that that it is. Look, the bad guys bigger, stronger, faster than we are. The only thing that we get to pick is the tool of self defense because they have already picked the time, the place, and the victim. So right. we get to pick the tool of self defense. The training we have with that tool of self-defense, and we only get to do that should the government allow it, and that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, you know, at the most basic, uh, fundamental right of human beings is the right to protect yourself and to defend yourself mm-hmm. against people who want to commit evil acts against you and your family. And, uh, you know, that goes back as far as history and, and it's, our founders were smart enough to acknowledge that and put it in writing, knowing human Mm -hmm. nature. (laughs) Uh, and I think it's, it's fascinating that people want to change the argument and change the, the intent of the second amendment from something like that to all, oh, for hunting or the deer wearing Kevlar vests or, you know, uh, nobody right. needs fill in the blank. That was never the intent of the Second Amendment mm-hmm. from the get-go. It was, number one, to prevent our government from turning on its citizens ever again. And number two, to prevent evil people from having their way over us. And the gun has right, been... doing evil things. Yeah. It's really interesting because I was literally debating back and forth with a state rep yesterday who told me that the Bruin decision, Bruin versus New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, the Bruin decision doesn't mean what I think it means. <laughs> and that even the even the Supreme Court justices who agreed with Clarence Thomas thought that there was um, boundaries to the Second Amendment. And it was like, no, actually, that's not what they said. They said that this case didn't address those boundaries. But they didn't say that there were boundaries in in that in that aspect. So it, it, you can still watch them trying to roll through this. And there are so many cases that are in court that are citing Bruin. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think Bruin is probably the biggest gift that we could have gotten. Let's say you know in in this century. Yeah. For Second Amendment advocates. Yeah, I hear you. Amanda, hold on one minute. We're going to go to a break, but we will be back on the other side, and we're going to continue this fascinating conversation with Amanda Suffolk on Rapid Fire here. So text in your question or type it into the chat. I will ask it on your behalf. 
We get the phone lines tied up with Amanda, so you're not going to be able to call in. But 508-444-2120 is the number if you want to text in or type into the chat. And I'll be glad to ask a question on your behalf. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we are here with Amanda Suffolk, who is from Eye on the Target Radio and DC Project Regional Director, amongst other things. And one of the things is you're running for the NRA Board of Directors, correct? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. It's a uh... It's been on my bucket list. You know, the NRA has existed for 152 years, and I believe that it needs some, um, it needs good people to continue that trend and to make sure that it lasts mm. for another 150 years. Yeah, you know? I lost something. What's up? All right, uh, running for and uh, sorry, I couldn't hear myself talk. Uh, running for NRA board is a big decision. G Webs. Uh, is on the chat and he says, uh, question, running for NRA board is a big decision, takes a lot of effort in light of the NRA apathy in 2023 as the motivation to run remained. Uh, now that you've experienced the actual campaigning, um, how's that going? Well, I, you know, I really, I'm not a quitter. Mm-hmm. So there is that. And so I am, I am a slugger. I'm, I'm somebody that's in there and in for the fight. So my day job was I was an aerospace engineer who retired in April. And so I've found that since I retired, I'm spending more and more time talking about Second Amendment things. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out in pieces, trying to figure out how the NRA is structured, how it works, how this big, because it is a giant bohemus corporation. And so, you know, everybody knows a little slice of it. And just trying to figure out each and every piece of it and how it all fits together is kind of where I've been spending a lot of time. And um, and let me just say that in in my opinion, they've done a really fucking job in PR in the last couple of years. Plus the plus the fight that they're facing in New York is pretty darned ugly. Mm-hmm. And so there's people on the people pro Second Amendment people who are fighting against the NRA. There's people who don't understand the NRA that's fighting against the NRA. 
And and I really believe that there's a marketing for the Moms Demand Action and Bloomberg and those guys who are who are fighting against the NRA and using the NRA's own words against them. So it's really it's really a tough place to be right now. But the NRA is not a place. This board is not a place for quitters. Mm. They need to be in there slugging it out because um, as I started to reach around and talk to folks to get endorsements because. Because I need 50,000 votes to run for the board. Um, Eric Pratt from Gun Owners of America endorsed me. Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation endorsed me. And you'd think, wow, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But it does when you look to say that the NRA is the elephant in the room that everybody's focusing their firepower on. And so if they are focused on the NRA, it allows the other organizations to be a, a lot more stealthy and a lot less abused. Mm. And so they can get work done in in under the cover of, if you will, at the same time. Yeah, um, I agree with you a hundred percent. The NRA, in some way, shape, or form, uh, represents all gun groups to a certain extent in the collective basket, if you will. Like when anti-gunners are gunning for this, you know firearms or you know restrictions or gun control etc cetera, etc cetera. they throw nra out there but it's a mm-hmm. universal term now it is um you know and i know that the groups that you just mentioned would not see it that way but that's the way the anti-gun crowd sees it it's the nra is the collective group of um you know pro 2a communities if they can knock out the kingpin or the oldest of them all, mm-hmm. don't kid yourself into thinking they're not coming for GOA or Second Amendment Foundation or uh, NAGA or you know next. It's because mm-hmm. that's any of those, yeah, yeah. They're that's next. Like they're they're focusing on the mm-hmm. biggest and the most vulnerable. I would say at this point because of all the reasons you just outlined, um, and uh, you know we we actually had a while back. Um, the uh, author of Misfire, it was a N- NPR uh, mm-hmm. guy, Tim Mack, and I actually interviewed him for this radio show, and I read his book, And um, but it was a tragic story of what the kind of a shape, what kind of shape the NRA is in right now, and, mm-hmm. and I think you're entirely right. It's definitely worth saving, um, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of hard work ahead for those who have the inside track to do that. And my hat's off well, to you. Yeah, go there, ahead. There's a, there's a big chance that New York is going to take some of the board members. I mean, there's rumor on the street that they're going to take some of the board members who've been there for a while and, and make them step down. Mm. So which means that all of the knowledge, I mean, my, in my engineering career, I've been involved in a lot of companies where you've taken them over a company in distress. And what happens is, is that you end up losing, you lose the knowledge that's in those people's heads. Right. And so that's a big, a big concern for, for who, for what's happening. I mean, and people say, what are you going to work on the first? And frankly, my, my focus is going to be on employee retention. Mm to be able to make sure that the people who are in the trenches for the NRA that are doing things are comfortable enough to believe that the NRA is going to continue to exist. 
so that they stay because they, though this may be the job of their heart, you know, not just a career, not just a job, but, but an advocacy that they get paid for. They need to be paid because they have houses and kids and college and ball teams and all of that kind of stuff. And so what you don't want is those people who care that deeply to be concerned about how am I going to feed my family? And so they move on to something else. Right. Yeah. You know, that was also a tragic story in that book. Misfire was the people that did give their lives to the, you know, working in the, at the NRA and they had a 20 year block of their life where they felt they couldn't even put it down on a resume for their next job, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and that's sad. Like, I think that anyone with that type of knowledge of the inner workings and like you said, the advocacy that they have done, they've done a lot of good and they've done a lot of, um, you know, uh, they've Mm -hmm. had a lot of wins over the past 30, 40 years, um, in second amendment rights world. Um, I would love to see it restored to its former glory. You know what I mean? And, and really it's still Mm -hmm. the biggest organization. I don't know what the membership's down to now, but, um, the big thing is I, I think that if we can get them on a stable platform through real meaningful change and good people coming into the board, um, then it has a chance if it's, you know, business as usual, then I think it's going to be more of the same and we can't really expect much, but, um, hopefully you'll, you'll be successful. You certainly have my vote. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, there's, and there's a lot of really good people that are on the board. And so it has, it takes, it takes a group to put it together, but with a board as big as it is, you know, it takes the momentum to turn that show, right. whatever, whatever, whichever direction you want to turn it or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then in some cases, there are reasons why things haven't happened in the time where people say, oh, it's just easy, just, you know, fire them all or cut off all their heads or what, you know, whatever that is, that the term is being said. And it's like, well, wait, because then you're going to lose all these other people too. What do you, what really, where, where is your end goal really? Right. And then let's work on getting to it, not just, not just a knee jerk reaction to change for change's sake, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see it get back to its core roots of just real, you know, grassroots Second Amendment advocacy, you know, and be a little bit more mm-hmm. welcoming to people um, from any political party. You know, nowadays, there's really no Democrats in, in the NRA, and there used to be. Uh, maybe there but is. There used to be, but, but the thing is, is the Democrat platform didn't used to be anti-gun. Right, right. So right now, they don't dare say that they, I was talking to somebody today that was talking about take, take your state rep, take your congressman to the range day. And they had to offer to do that under cover of secrecy because a Democrat that wanted to know about guns, wanted to learn about guns, could not tell their peers. Yeah. That's not an NRA issue. That is a platform issue. I agree. I agree 100%. And ironically, in Massachusetts, one of the most uh, gun-friendly state reps is a Democrat. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I don't know if, I don't really know too much about him other than he's willing to work with Gun Owners Action League, the state, you know, NRA organization. Mm-hmm. And, uh frankly, is, you know, very uh, conciliatory or very uh, sympathetic to the 
Second Amendment cause, which frankly shouldn't be a political issue. It's an enumerated right. It's it's like it shouldn't be. Yeah, but yeah. But they've made it. They have made it. So they they've done. They've made it to where the Second Amendment is now synonymous with crime. Right. And it it isn't, and it shouldn't be. Right. But but we and in some cases we've allowed them to usurp a certain terms. And then that's what we're faced with. I mean, you know, when, when they look at, you know, assault weapons and, you know, gun crime, how come, how come if somebody uses a shovel or an axe or a hammer, it's not hammer crime? Right. So it is the only tool that is named as the crime. Yeah. And oftentimes that tool is demonized to the point where they go out uh, looking for the solution to a problem that doesn't exist, and right. you know, I don't. In the first hour of the show, I actually read an article that just came out about um, the chief of police in Washington D.C., Robert Conti. He he lamented that the uh, average homicide suspect is arrested eleven times prior to him finally committing murder. So. These are career, right. career criminals. These are bad people. Right. And, and so stop them at 10. You know, right. what are, they used to be that three times you're out, you right. know. Yeah, that was a big um, NRA accomplishment, too. Yeah. Yeah, the three strikes. Well, yeah. now I, I was reading an article about, um, actually, it was about crime and recidivism. And I, w- I was doing some research and I came across a couple different. So it was Atlanta, it was Maryland, um, there were there were a couple of other different cities or states that were showing da- data and documents. And in one statement, and I don't remember which state it was, they were talking about the fact that in their state they had 104 homicides, and maybe it was a city or village, but 104 homicides, and of those homicides, 88%, or yeah, 88 of the um, people arrested were had been arrested prior for crimes of violence. Mm. It's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- there's a um, a site, and I wish I could remember what it is, but um, uh, it's a site in Chicago that tracks how many people who are arrested for either murder or some serious violent offense, usually involving a firearm, um, are arrested while pending trial for their current, you know, they're already have been arrested. They're out on personal recognizance or cash bail or bond and they reoffend. Well, yeah, they go on to reoffend while waiting for trial. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and then we love to just say, oh, it's the gun's fault. Like, all you gun people have to have guns, and that's right. why this is happening. No, it's not happening because of guns, because they're evil people or crazy people, and they're going to commit, mm-hmm. they're going to do what they're going to do because they're evil and crazy, or there's no teeth to the law. And, you know, I feel bad for law enforcement when you have a chief saying 11 arrests. That means officers and taxpayer dollars right. were hard at work for many mm-hmm. years and putting their lives on the line and each then, and every time yeah. yeah each and every time and not to mention clogging up our court system not to mention having to make 
citizens go out and fill jury boxes. And then at the end of it all, they get a lenient or a light sentence or get out on good behavior or whatever it is and mm-hmm. back out on the street to reoffend. That is costing our society. It's bankrupting our society in so many ways, not just financially, but morally. It's exhausting good people. It's, you know, what can you do about it other than carry a gun to be a, you know, a barrier towards that and your own family and your own life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's sad. Right. That- you are, you are your own first responder. We have a friend. I, I, <clears throat> I ride motorcycle and I ride motorcycle with a, a police officer who was a motorcycle cop. And, um, the first statement I want to say is any motorcycle cop, man, can he ride? Mm. And two, in, in the state of Ohio, if the temperature is going to be above 32 that day, they ride. Right. Right. So that's a brutal job. But he was talking about the fact that, that he would have, they would arrest someone. And before they were done doing the paperwork, that person was back out on the street. And so in some cases, if they knew that they were just going to be back out on the street, they would just take them to the next town and drop them out and drop them off and at least make them walk back. Mm. So because they were, they were like, you know, it was actually easier for me not to arrest them and just make their lives a little miserable than it was for uh, for me to go do the paperwork and and then just throw them back out. Right. Unbelievable. That's sad. That is sad. Yeah. One of the uh, examples of what I'm talking about is there was a news release by the Chicago Police Department of an offender who mm-hmm. was charged with multiple felonies, including nine counts of attempted murder of Chicago police officers. And... Uh, he also had two felony counts of kidnapping and discharge of a firearm and two felony counts of unlawful restraint and issuance of a warrant. And uh, he was arrested on February 28th, 2023 at approximately 2.13 a.m. in uh, South Pe- on South Peoria Street. And he, he was identified as the offender who just over an hour earlier unlawfully entered a residence on the 1290 block of the same street and restrained a 44-year-old female and a 21-year-old male at gunpoint. Uh, the offender opened fire, et cetera, et cetera. So this guy's on a crime wave rampage mm-hmm. with uh, all these priors and all this stuff. It's it's unbelievable. And, you know, what, what, what really drives me crazy is you think of the 44-year-old female and the 21-year-old male that he held at gunpoint – what is the gun control would make it so that those two people don't have a, a equal footing or a level playing field or a, even a, a potential to defend themselves against this deranged right. maniac? And that's right. what that's so they the, don't stand a fighting chance at all, right? And so, but you know, in the 1970s, they had that thing that. The whole, the, in, and this is kind of where I think the big shift was, where they would tell, they would tell women to just, just go along with whatever and they'll let you go. Mm. Go along to get along and they'll let you go. Yeah. And it was like the shift in crime that then made it to where people didn't fight back and were told not to fight back and that it was unacceptable, socially unacceptable to fight back. And it's like, I don't understand where that mindset came from right. and how it got so prevalent. Yeah. 
Another question that just rolled in on the chat is mm-hmm. uh, you're, you were co-creator of AmCon, and uh, I guess it's in its sixth year now. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and what that was all about? Well, you know, this is, AmCon is an amazing thing. So anybody who's interested in being a content creator in the Second Amendment, being a voice in the Second Amendment, in any aspect, whether you're a writer or a blogger or a videographer or, um, you know, radio podcast, anything like that, the YouTubers, um, and even TikTokers. So this is in conjunction with second amendment foundation. And so the gun rights policy conference that they have, and they move around the country, Mm. we added a day in the, in the beginning of that. So you're already traveling there to hear what was happening and, and to be at GOTC. So we added a day to the beginning of that. And AMCON's goal is to give everybody who's trying to be a new voice, give them a hand up. And so it's like, what do we know that we could help you with? And so different people are different, our speakers, but the big thing is, is it's like a, it's like a creative content networking. I mean, we've had Mark Walters as a speaker. We've had Tom Gresham as a speaker. We've had A.W.R. Hawkins as a speaker, mm. uh, as the keynotes. In addition to, you know, Charlie Cook teaching how to, to edit um, videos. John Petrolino to, teaching how to pick a topic and, and run with it. Um, some of the bloggers and, like, Rob Morrison, the research for the stuff that he does for defensive gun uses and his... Uh, um, geez, it just escaped me. Self-defense gun stories. Mm. So, you know, those, those types of things. I mean, this last year, Sarah Todd and I, we, we started working on this and we did uh, a concept of a storyboard for everybody that says, okay, if this is your kingdom of whatever in the Second Amendment world, what does your logos look like? How are you putting it out there? What's your message? What's your vehicle? And then, Everybody walked around and went from person to person and you got to explain your vision and they got to write their name on it and say, I can help you here or I can help you there or have you thought about this? And so it, it really is a full day of, let me give you some kind of education. Let me give you a snippet. Let me give you a hand up. Um, one year, Yehuda Reamer, the Pew Pew Jew, he's out of Dallas and he, um, he gave his presentation and his whole presentation was about bravery. Mm. and the tagline was, but did you ask? There's so many of us that are waiting for somebody to notice what we're doing or how we're doing it or they're looking for a sponsor or whatever, and he's like, but did you ask? You know, you want this. Did you ask? Mm. And, um, and that, but did you ask, has resonated with me and has made me a much braver person in the Second Amendment world because all I can say is no, and no is going to happen if I don't ask. It's sure to be no. And so I keep him and that statement in mind. So I get as much from teaching at AMCON as I get from listening to everybody else teach their cycling. Yeah, that's great. I, I definitely need to get involved in that. I, you know, it's my travel schedule is already like tapped, you know, <laughs> as a father of three and a husband and everything else. And with SHOT Show and all the shows I go to for the gun store owner type stuff I do and mm-hmm. you know the buy shows buy group shows and whatnot but 
Um, certainly would love to get more involved in some of that advocacy side of things with the gun rights policy co- conference. And, and that sounds like fascinating to, uh, and actually that's what I liked this year so much about, uh, SHOT Show was actually talking with other, uh, content creators and people who are doing great work in this second amendment space, lining up guests for this show and, and, uh, try, right. you know, that type of thing. So, um, and we have some great things happening with the rapid fire radio network. So, um, in the future. So, uh, you know, that whole collaboration and getting to know other people in the community has been really, really good. And so that sounds like a good resource for, uh, people who are even thinking about starting to do, you know, gun content or in whatever. It really is. Yeah. And you'll get an opportunity to meet people that you only see online. Yeah. And they'll be like, here's my cell phone number. Give me a call. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. That's that's awesome. Do you know where it's going to be in 2023? I do not. Uh, oh, I think they did tell us. I think it's Phoenix. Is it? I think it's. I I think it is Phoenix. Um, it's generally somewhere close to the end of September. Yeah. So um, somebody can fill fill us in, but I believe it may be Phoenix the last weekend of September. Yep. Cool. Well, I'll definitely have to uh, see about getting there. Two, actually, September is a good time for me to travel, so uh, that might that might work. <laughs> well, think about it. If you pick up all your guests in January at Shot Show, this allows you to refresh and refill that pool of guests. Yeah. So there's your justification. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's pretty cool. Um, what do you think the where do you think the most important space, if you will, or the, the, where the battle, if you will, or the, the cause of the Second Amendment is going to be most needed in its next evolution of uh, preservation of gun rights? Where do you think the fight is right now? Where do you think it's headed? And where? how can our listeners get more involved? What can they do to be a, an advocate in the Second Amendment space? What's the most important thing that they could do in your, your opinion? Well, I think that this Bruin case was was the most important thing since Heller. Yeah. And the the interesting part is, is when you really think about Heller, is that it Heller didn't that decision wasn't made until two thousand and eight. So think about it. The Second Amendment was written in seventeen ninety one. And they didn't ascertain and confirm that you had a right to have a gun in your house until two thousand and eight. Mm. Amazing. That's 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 mind blowing to yeah, me. It really well, so is. then this whole Bruin decision is the same thing. So when they say in Bruin the history, texture, and tradition of the Second Amendment based in in the year 1791, that means that the NFA, which was the 1934 Gun Control Act, is in play. That means that 1968 and the serialization is in play. That means the suppressors. And lack thereof, and short-barreled rifles, lack thereof, is in play. That is the the manufacture and sale of machine guns is in play, right? So all of a sudden, what you're seeing is the anti-gun folks are going after what they think is low-hanging fruit, and there are these organizations that are fighting back. So, So where can people be or do to help? And that would be, first thing, honestly, join the NRA. Second one is join the Second Amendment um, Foundation, SAF. 
So, and then the third is join your state organization. Mm. Those are all not-for-profit organizations that are spend their money wisely on these court cases. The NRA was involved in the brewing case. So there's stuff that they're doing, even when they're fighting for their very life, there's stuff that they're doing. Mm. I'm a life member of the NRA and of the Second Amendment Foundation, and their life membership is like 150 bucks. And when you start to look at who's fighting the current cases, it is Second Amendment Foundation is like front runner. And then after that, there are some other organizations that are for profit, but are doing really good things for us. So join one of those if you want to. But, but first, NRA, Second Amendment Foundation, your state gun organization. Those are the, the, the fights that are right there with you. And then if it's something that you could do, it's on the political side. And that would be to pick a political candidate that your views align with or that they are close to you and volunteer to go just here's the secret the secret sauce. Take five days, two hours a day in five days, commit that you will go to help walk door to door with that candidate. And it's not really about walking door to door. It's not really about helping that candidate, though that is a value. It is about the fact that if you help that candidate when, when he's walking, he or she's walking door to door and you walk door to door with them, that candidate knows what you think, knows who you are. And when you have a concern or a question or an issue, they care what you think because you put in the shoe leather to help them. And so, so for a 10 hour donation to that campaign of your time has, has huge, absolute huge returns. Mm. Yeah. That's some great advice. And, uh, Certainly would help, you know, the community uh, get to know their elected officials and, and, you know, be in their top of the mind, you know, from helping out and everything else. So and that's mm-hmm. huge. That's the normalization of gun owners in America. And uh, I think that's what is necessary to help, um, you know, spread the word and, and enlarge the tent and get more people under the under the Second Amendment tent. And uh Amanda, this has been a fascinating discussion, but I want to leave plenty of time here for you to tell everyone how they can follow you, follow your work, get involved. You, you, the floor is yours. Tell everyone how they can find you and, and find your show and everything else on all the different channels and, and your social media, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, the easiest is my website, iOnTheTargetRadio.com. So that, that would give you to the radio and, and kind of get you connected into some of the stuff. I am an open book on Facebook, and so it's just my name, Amanda Suffolk, and you should be able to find me. I've got a couple different pages um, because they, they rock you out of 5,000 people. So, <laughs> uh, so I've got a couple different pages going there. And I'm running for the board of directors of the NRA. So I ask that if you are a lifetime member or a five-year member of the NRA, go find your February edition of the NRA magazine. That's where the ballots are, February edition. And bullet vote, bullet vote for me and send it in. Because what happens is you can vote for up to 25 people, but if you vote for one, that kind of really moves me up faster in, in the line of, uh, in the line of candidates and in the line of things. Mm. Well, you got your work cut out for you. 50,000 votes is a lot of votes in the, you know, uh, you, you know, probably more so than getting elected for a state 
office <laughs> in some cases, depending on what state because you live in. they're everywhere. Yeah, right. It's, they're everywhere, and you don't know where these life numbers are, are at or where they're hidden. And so you're really out everywhere campaigning across the United States to be able to dig up these the Second Amendment advocate. Yeah, well, we got to make sure that uh, we get you in there. So you got my vote as a life member of the NRA. I'll be voting for you. And uh, hopefully our listeners have been uh, brought over as well and convinced uh, that you're a worthy candidate. And we appreciate all that you do. You're doing some great work out there. Amanda, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Yep, no problem. We'll have to do this again for sure. And I'm sure we'll see you on the internet here or there. But Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And remember that this show ends here, but you can always tune in at rapidfireradio.us or call or text the Rapid Fire line 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And keep up the good fight. Support your local community. Be an advocate for responsible gun ownership. And together as Americans, we can overcome. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. This is Rapid Fire, and we will see you next time.